0: It is great to see everybody, it is great to be here, and it has also been great uh, to see our children in action the last couple weeks, hasn't that been awesome? The kids did great last week. And some of our youth leading this week, it's been uh, just really great to see. We're doing something a little different this year in the month of December where we are highlighting some different ministries, some different groups of people, and then we are also taking a look each week at one individual of the Christmas story and seeing kind of their journey, and of course, how it relates uh, to the ultimate story, the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And one of the people in the Christmas story that I relate to a lot is Joseph. And not just because he was a father, but also because he didn't talk very much. Um, He's one of those guys where, actually, we're we're not entirely sure that he didn't talk very much, but we have no recorded words from him in the Bible. Now, if you know me, you know that we're talking sports, we're talking, music, we're talking Jesus, I'll talk a year off all day, but other than that, not so much, right? Um, but for him, he lived in this time period, like if I lived in that time period with no sports, not as much music, I, I can relate to him in that way. Um, but the thing is, we have, we have no recorded words, we have no idea anything that he said, and I think from that example, right off the bat, it's like, hey, he's sometimes the kind of the forgotten man in this story. And I think today, though, you're going to find there's a lot of things that we can learn and be encouraged from his example in the accounts of Matthew and in Luke. And the first one, when you consider the fact that we don't have recorded words from him, is this example that you don't always need to be the loudest person in the room uh, to make a difference. You don't always need to be the one with the most opinions. You don't always need to be um, the, the richest uh, or you know, the, the wealthiest, someone with power in order to be faithful to what God is calling you to do and to make a massive difference in the world. Not only do we not have any spoken words from Joseph, but Joseph also disappears from the biblical accounts before Jesus' adult ministry. We read about Joseph and Mary shortly after when Jesus was 12 and somehow they kind of lose track of the savior of the world, imagine how they felt. Jesus was around 12 years old and we read that example. After that, we, Joseph is never mentioned again. Um, and fast forward to when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus tells John to look after his mother. So many scholars believe that uh, Joseph probably passed away sometime between when Jesus was 12 and his adult ministry, um, which began around the age of 30. So put those two things together and think about that. We have no idea anything Joseph ever said. We also have no idea when or how Joseph died, and yet his example, his role in the story of Christmas uh, is really incredible and should be uh, encouraging to all of us. I think one of the things Joseph was really good at, taking life one day at a time and focusing on the next step that was right in front of him. This is one thing I strive to do in my life. I I know if I were to think too much about the future, too much about future decisions, future events, things I have to get done, I would probably drive myself crazy. Um, So I try to live one day at a time and one decision at a time. Think back to that magical time of March of 2020 So fun, right? So fun to think back on that. Um, I I remember when that happened, probably like many of you, I was thinking, like, this is gonna be a rough couple weeks, right? Um, They'd say, flatten the curve, you know, stop the spread, and, you know, let's get this thing under control over the next couple weeks. Sometimes it's a good thing that what you don't know, right? Because if I was told in March of 2020 that this thing is gonna drag on and on and on for years, and it's gonna just impact so many people in so many parts of life, um, I probably probably would have gone insane if I knew how long it was going to drag out. So sometimes it's a, it's a good thing to not have all the answers and live one day at a time, like we're supposed to anyway. On a happier example, think about something I think about is uh, family vacations. You know, every year we go, um, we drive down to Florida, somewhere with a beach, and uh, spend a week relaxing. It's a lot of fun, but the drive there and back is not so much fun. But one thing I try to do when I'm driving, I'm, I'm not thinking to in my in my mind like I got a 12 hour drive. I'm thinking I got a two hour drive, right? Let me get to the next stop, the next exit. I can drive two hours, that's fine, you know. It's a mindset thing, you get to the next stop, get some coffee or candy or whatever, relax, refocus, and then okay, the next destination, the next step um, is coming up here in a couple hours, not half a day away, you know, that whole mindset thing. So I think, The uh, story of Joseph, the things that we're able to read about him, I think he was very, very good, again, at focusing on what was next. Um, There were definitely a lot of unknowns, a lot of scary, probably moments, and uh, he remained faithful through all of it, as we're going to see. So let's dive into this. I say this to our uh, students in the youth ministry all the time, even if it's a story you've read or heard a hundred times, God's word is alive and active, and there's uh, new things that we can learn Um, each and every time that we read it. So the first thing I wanna do is I wanna draw your attention to the very beginning of the Gospels in Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus. If we can pull that up. And I'm not going to, uh, the one before that, if there is one before that. There it is. I'm not gonna read all these, it's probably too small anyway. I wanted to put it on one slide. Um, The genealogy of Jesus, Matthew one. This is something that oftentimes we kinda skip over or skim over. And uh, myself included. And and one of the reasons is it's not always a lot of fun to just read a whole bunch of names, especially when half of them you can't pronounce and you're just like, all right, let me get to the next thing and the next thing. Um, But this is really, really important stuff. The bottom of this, it says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. And thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So I also want to look at the next account. Pull that one up. And this is kind of the, when people read the Christmas story, they often turn to this. Luke's account. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee into Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So I want to say this. If anyone that is has ever had this thought in their life before, maybe uh, maybe a Christian, maybe a non-believer, if you ever had this thought that maybe the scriptures were made up, the Bible was made up by man, it's, it's either fake stories or fabricated stories, uh, my question would be, who in their right mind would make up things like this, like the genealogy, all these names. If I was making a fake story, if I was inventing the story, my first thought would not be, all right, let me write down 42 generations of names and just, let's just, let's just start that. That's really gonna draw the readers in with this 42, you know, a bunch of names. And then if you look at Luke's account and Luke specifically was a historian and he goes into this incredible detail of these facts, these real people, these real places, these real events that were taking place. And all of this is really important to the full story. You know, the last several years we've, uh, like the words uh, fake news and fact check and all that stuff has been kind of buzzwords in our world, uh, the news and social media. Matthew and especially Luke, the historian, when they write, they could basically, even in that time, they could have basically been telling skeptics, like, I dare you to fact check this. We're gonna put in so much detail that I dare you to go back and and look at each generation, these real people and places that were going on. I want you to also notice that the writers of the gospels, they never put once upon a time, they don't put in a galaxy far, far away. Um, They they were writing about, again, as if these events were real, and they took place and they were historical. So now let's dive into Joseph's role in the story, a couple verses at a time. Okay, the next slide, a couple verses at a time. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her in public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, we'll stop right there and and talk about it. Since we know how the story goes and how the story ends, Oftentimes, it's probably tempting for us to kind of skim over those verses and not really think too much about it. But the truth is, at that time, put yourself in in their shoes. Joseph did not know how the story would end. He did not know even really what was next. And many translations it says the word betrothed. Joseph and Mary were betrothed to be married. In that time period, um, betrothed basically meant they were. It was this covenant relationship. They were committed, but they were still apart. They'd be living with their families and oftentimes that was for up to an entire year. So they're showing how that they're gonna be faithful to one another, they're preparing for that the marriage, but it was considered this covenant relationship, again, oftentimes up for a full year. So we get our first glimpse of Joseph being a really, really good man um, in this example because it would sure seem like the woman he was betrothed to uh, stepped out on him and wasn't faithful by law by the law of that time, he could have publicly shamed her, he could have just made sure everyone know that he wanted nothing to do with an unfaithful person, yet he decides to divorce her quietly instead of having her go through you know, public shame and disgrace. Story continues, look at the next one. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now quick side note, that phrase son of David Is only mentioned to four, one other person in the entire New Testament, Jesus himself, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name of Jesus. So we got this crazy dream with an angel. I don't know about you, I have some weird dreams sometimes. Um, Just the other day I had this dream, no joke, my my sister and one of her daughters and, and my two daughters were all sitting in a circle and they were crying and I went up and asked them, what's wrong? And my sister stood up and said, 50 cents died. And I was just like, what? Those are the kind of dreams that I have. Now, don't, don't be alarmed. The rapper 50 Cent is alive and well. She said 50 cents, and I have no idea. Those are the kind of dreams I have. I have not had an angel speak to me. So um, we can talk later about some of your, your crazy dreams. It's fun. But he has this dream, and this angel appears. And to me, the best part about this is his immediate obedience. Like instantly, he obeyed. You know, it doesn't say that he stopped to think about it. Like, was that real? Was that really an angel? Like, what now? What what am I really supposed to do here? It doesn't say that that happened. He didn't hesitate. He didn't even think about the public ridicule that he's going to get from all of this. It just clearly says, when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And then it happened again. If we look at Matthew 2, after all that took place, child in the manger and and that scene, everything that that goes on after Jesus was born, what happens? It says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So, guess what he does, so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Another dream, another crazy instruction from an angel. And again, immediate obedience from Joseph. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt important to know that he didn't have all the answers, he just had the next step to take. And our faith is not about having every answer. It's about being faithful for the next step, knowing that God is with us, and uh, being faithful to what God calls us to do. There's a pastor named Mike Todd. Uh, some of you may be familiar, especially the, the cool kids, because this guy's on TikTok all the time. Who's got a TikTok? Anybody? All right. He's on TikTok a lot. He's going viral with his uh, sermon, like, uh, bits and pieces of sermons. Um, he's doing a lot of amazing things. I, I will not say I you know, always agree with everything he's ever said or endorse everything he's ever done, but there's one thing that he said on a podcast a couple years ago that has really stuck with me. He said, I live my life at 51%. If I think there's even a chance that God is calling me to do something and I'm even 51% sure that it's him, I'm going for it. I don't have to be 100% sure. I don't even have to be 70% sure. If I think this could be of God, I'm gonna trust him and I'm gonna do it. And if I was wrong, I'm still showing God that that's how much I trust him. I wanna have that kind of boldness. Now you could argue from this story that we're looking at, you could say, well, well Joseph was 100% sure because an angel of the Lord spoke to him. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like if, if you had one of those dreams Um, that you would be able to uh, continue what was next, but the truth is he still did not have 100% of the answers. He still had no clue on a lot of things. Um, He only had a couple instructions and a whole lot of uncertainty, probably some fear, probably some confusion, but he trusted God and and he went for it. His faith actually reminds me, one of my favorite uh, stories from the gospels um, in Jesus' adult ministry, Jesus saw some fishermen who are washing their nets after a, a night of not catching anything. He gets in the boat with them and says, hey, let's go out this way and then throw out your nets again. And uh, these are professional fishermen we're talking about. And I love what Simon answered. He said, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, that their nets began to break. Now, imagine going to somebody else's profession and telling them what to do, telling them how to do their job. I'm a basketball coach, so I can relate to this. Uh, everybody, all the coaches in the crowd know what you should do, right? And I just feel, can, let's just be honest, I feel really bad for referees at times. If you know a referee, call them this Christmas and wish them well. Um, they kind of just get yelled at for a living. But uh, maybe think of a different example. Maybe. Um, a surgeon is getting ready to operate and somebody from the the hospital lobby comes in there and says, you know, I think you should consider doing it like this. And in a similar way, that's kind of what's going on, like these professional fishermen doing this thing and and Jesus says, hey, do this instead, let's go out here and, and try this. But instead of being like, no chance, like Simon, he says those words like, now we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets and they catch so many fish, their nets start to break. So I wanna have this this kind of faith where I'm living at 51% and and I have a uh, because you say so kind of faith. I I fully believe that Joseph did. If you think about his perspective, like the woman I'm supposed to marry is pregnant, I was gonna divorce her, but because you say to stay with her, I will. Or this child won't even be my flesh and blood but because you say so, I will give him the name of Jesus and I will look after him like my own. Or how about when the baby is born and I would really love to get settled in and go home and kinda see what's next, but because you say so, I will escape to Egypt, I'll take my family to Egypt and we'll wait and we'll see what's next. This life is not about having all the answers, it's about trusting the answer himself. His ways are higher than our ways, his way is the best. We should also notice that in Matthew, it says that Joseph was a righteous man, and it says that before any of this really took place. So like we know from these accounts that he he followed the law, he knew God's word, he followed the custom of the day, he was faithful. Um, even before he found out Jesus was coming and, and was of the Holy Spirit, you know, it wasn't a mistake who God chose. Um, Joseph and Mary, their, their incredible role, their righteousness kind of preceded um, action and their faith—they um, were the perfect pair. But the fact that it calls Joseph righteous before he acts on all this—it just shows he was following God. He had a relationship with God. He knew God's word, and that's a big reason I believe why he was able to obey and follow when things got tough and uncertain. After that, maybe in your life you feel like things are going well, or they're going okay, or they're going—they're going pretty well so far, but. Uh, Do you have a strong relationship with God? Are you living in a way that's honoring him? Are you in his word? Because if you are, when times get tough later on, and they will, you'll be prepared as Joseph was to act and obey. Let's also remember a very significant part of this story. It's one thing for Joseph to obey God from his dreams. Again, maybe you feel like you would have been able to do that. Angel spoke to me, I would, I would obey. And that may be the case, but that did not change how society would have viewed the situation and how society would have treated him. Like think about who's going to believe him when he, when he tells a story, like in their eyes, he was either okay with his wife, breaking the law, being unfaithful, or maybe he was the one that was unfaithful um, or Maybe he's just nuts because he's, now he's saying that the, the child is of the Holy Spirit. I mean, who, who's gonna believe this guy in all these things that he's going on? But by obeying and by choosing to still marry her, he was accepting a misunderstood reputation for, for a lot of people for probably the rest of his life. Timothy Keller said it like this, everybody in that society would have known This child was not born nine months after they got married. They would know she was already pregnant. As a result, they are gonna be shamed, socially excluded and rejected. They are gonna be second-class citizens forever. And that's what he was signing up for. But he still said yes to God. And think about that, the fact that Joseph would basically bear the shame and burden of sins he didn't commit. Does that sound familiar? Joseph, son of David, bearing the shame and burden of sins he didn't commit for the good of others to follow God's plan for his life, absolutely foreshadowing what is to come for the very life that he is now taking care of. I mentioned this last Christmas during a sermon. It's worth repeating. Religion says, work your way up to God. Through the Christmas story, we see that God has worked his way down to us. Just about every world religion that there is out there, it's like you gotta do this and this and this, work your way up, earn God's love, earn your salvation. It's all about what you have done. Through Christianity, only Christianity, in the story of Christmas, we see that God has come to us to meet us where we are. And Jesus would then live a full, sinless life and take on our sin and shame. And many people today uh, reject him, think he's crazy, think he's not who he said that he was. And Jesus went to a cross to suffer and face a humiliating death for us. And that's why we celebrate, we serve an incredible God. A few minutes, we're gonna sing a couple closing songs together. But before we do that, I wanted to end uh, this message with a song of my own. Not just because my mother has been requesting it for years now. But um, this song actually, uh, it really fits with uh, the message because years ago, I think it was uh, 2005, uh, Mercy Me wrote a song, a Christmas song called Joseph's Lullaby. And even though we don't have spoken words from Joseph, Bart Miller, the author of the song, he just kind of stopped to think about, especially as a father himself, he's like, what would it have been like? What, What things could Joseph have possibly been thinking the night that he was born? And so he wrote a song about it. And at a concert, this is what Bart had to say about it. He said, the idea of a song about Joseph was very compelling to me. Mary and, Joseph get, or Mary and Jesus get all the love. What about Joseph? I've, I've been there when my kids were born, especially the first child, and parents, you can relate. It's a scary, scary thing. But then all of a sudden, my child was born and something clicked inside of me. I went from this scared little kid to then saying, I'm gonna take care of you. Nothing's gonna happen to you on my watch. Something inside of you is a father that says, I can do this. The savior of the universe, what was going through Joseph's mind that night? Did you even think it's kind of my child and kind of not? I choose to believe that the second he laid eyes on Jesus, he said, I'm gonna take care of you. Did Joseph have any idea of what was to come? I don't know. I choose to believe the only thing that mattered that night was that this baby got sleep and got rest. The God of everything shows up as a newborn baby that we, mankind, has to take care of. And we're now holding the key to everything in our hands. It had to blow their minds. The irony that mankind is now caring for the one who's gonna save our lives. What was it like that night? I don't know, but I really wanna believe that he had this moment where he said, you are mine and I will take care of you. So this song, I want you to pay attention to the words and imagine that evening where Joseph was singing to the newborn.
1: This manger for your bed You have a long road before you Rest your little head Can you feel the weight of your glory? Do you understand? Does the Father guard your heart for now so you can sleep tonight? Go to sleep, my son. Go and chase your dreams. This world can win. just this moment Sleep, my son, and baby, close your eyes. Soon enough, you'll save the day. But for now, dear child of.